Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. If you have your Bibles, we're going to just dive in. I hope that's all right. Uh, we've been in the series called Bold, and we've been asking this question, what does that look like to have a bold faith and to have a bold move and to have a bold yes? So if you have your Bibles, be finding Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, and today we're literally just talking about how do you make room for the will of God in your life. I was thinking about the summer. The summer has been, it's been incredible. We saw God do a great work at Vacation Bible School. We saw God do a great work with our preteen day camp. We saw God do a great work in our student ministry camp. I mean, we've seen God do amazing things. I'm just so grateful to get to be part and just serve at a wonderful church like this. But as I was thinking about summer, summer's always exciting because it was five summers ago that I asked Laura to be my wife. And she actually said yes, which was amazing. And uh, there's a couple of laughs, awesome. Thanks for that vote of confidence. So she said yes five years ago. And so we've been married about four and a half years now. And so when I was thinking about making room, I thought about when, when we got married, we rented a little house right next to the church. Uh, three small bedrooms, and one of those bedrooms became known as the junk room. Do y'all have one of those rooms at your house? Yeah, so we're like, <laughs> Kenyon's like nodding as, yes, we got that. So we're, we're like, we're merging our stuff, because I was a little bit older when we got married, and she'd been living on her own, and so we merged all this stuff, and so we've got this room, we had this room in our rental house that it looked like just exploded when you opened the door, right? People would come over, hey, let's see your house, let's look in here, let's look in here, and then they'd get to that door, we're like, no, 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 you, right? You know what I'm talking about? And then finally, we bought a house that had a lot more room, and it had a garage. It has a garage. And so my big, uh, my big aspirations, this is silly, but my big aspirations was to be able to park my car in the garage. I'd never had a house with a garage. There's like a luxury to me. And so I'm like, I'm going to park. And so we move into the house, and guess what? our garage exploded, right? And so it became the junk garage. And so for the first two years, I kept working through the boxes, working through the boxes. Uh, Bobby Reese came over and he made some shelving for me to put all the boxes up. So finally I made space for it. Finally, I pulled my car in. I was like victorious. It only took years, to, two years to make room for it. And then three months after I made room for it, I bought a different car that the mirrors won't fit in the garage. I'm like, awesome, right? <laughs> So y'all have experienced that. You've experienced uh, uh, closets that explode. Maybe for you, it's not merging two households. Maybe for you, it's you've got a baby on the way. You're trying to make space for that. Or maybe it's something else. But if you've ever felt that stress of, I need a little bit more room. I need to make some space. I need to make some room. If you've ever felt that stress, you know a little bit of what Noah's feeling in Genesis 6. Right, last week, Pastor Tripp did an amazing job talking about just the conditions of the earth and just, uh, just the fact that sin is a big deal. If you missed last week, I wanna encourage you to grab the Sugar Hill Church app or go to our website, sugarhill.church, and catch up because it is an incredible message. But he set the tone to say, look, the world was just spiraling down in sin, right? That God's creation, the, the, this world that God created now is fractured. The, it's turned its back on God and it's living the sinful life. And so now when we get to this part of chapter six, God shows up to Noah and instead of getting angry, God's heartbroken, right? Instead of going off, God is grieved. He's a heavenly father that's heart sick over his creation walking away 
And so what God does in Genesis 6 is he begins to make room. He begins to make space. He begins to clear the deck so that he can rebirth his plan, rebirth his will to bring a new day to this earth. And man, I'm telling you in this room, one of the great questions people ask so often is what is God's plan? What is God's will? What's God's design? I mean, we say it so often, especially to the teenagers and the next generation, we say, God's got a plan for your life. You don't want to miss it. God has something he's designed for you to do. You don't want to miss that. And I say that in this room. I say that to adults. I say that to grandparents. I, I say that whether you're new to your career or whether you're retired, that God has a perfect plan. God has something that he's wired us to do. And it's not just enough to ask the question, what is God's will? It's not just enough to say, I sort of want to know about it. Because what I found is often, even if we know it, a lot of times our, our lives are so crowded that there's no room for it. And so today I want to look in Genesis chapter 6 as God invites Noah into the story. As God steps into our broken, our fractured world, and he begins to make room for his, will, for his will. And so if you're taking notes today, I'm gonna show a few ways that I believe God makes space, makes room in our lives. Here, here's where it comes from. Genesis chapter six, verse 14. God invites Noah into the story. He says, make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. So he's already said, I'm gonna wipe out the earth. I'm gonna, I'm gonna purge the planet. I'm, I'm gonna get rid of the corruption. I'm gonna get rid of the sin. I'm gonna start clean. And so Noah, I'm inviting you into the story. I'm inviting you to be part of it. He says in, in verse 14, uh, uh, Noah, make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And so he begins to say to Noah, you've got to make this ark. You've got to make within this ark rooms. You've got to make space for the will of God. How does God do that? How does God step into our lives and make room? How does God create an envelope of space where he can move? Well, number one, the first thing that I believe God does is he shapes us by his character. Anytime God begins to make room in our life, anytime God creates this, this, this atmosphere of change inside of us, it always starts with him shaping our character into the character of God. See, a lot of times when we think about the will of God, we immediately say, God, what do you want me to do? God, what's my career? God, what's my future dream? God, what do you want me to do on the outside? But instead in scripture, before the will of God is about what we do on the outside, it's about who we are on the inside, right? God is an inside God. God is, God is concerned about our character. In fact, later this week, I'm gonna push out some updates through our app that, that just carry this thought forward, but it talks about the fact that the will of God, if you were to do a search in your Bible app, or if you were to look in the concordance, the back of your Bible, and look up the will of God, 95% of those verses have to do with who we are on the inside. So often we, we jump towards what, God, what do you want me to do on the outside? And God says, it's about who you are on the inside. See, when you look at these verses, when God says stuff like in verse seven, he says, I will blot out man. When, when you look down in verse 13, where he says, and I'll make an end of all flesh and I will destroy them. When you look at verses like verse 17 and you read where God says, I will bring flood waters to the earth. I will destroy all flesh. What God is literally doing is he's, he's creating a clean canvas 
right? He's purifying the earth. And now he invites Noah to purify the inside of him. He says down to, in, in verse 13 and 14, here's what he says in 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And so literally we see God making space on the outside. And now he says to Noah, make space on the inside of the ark. Make room, make space. I mean, the, the, the ark in the Old Testament is this picture of rescue that comes from Jesus. It's, it's a picture that looks forward to the cross. It's a picture that says, look, there's only one answer. There's only one way. There's only one way for us to be the men and women that God's called us to be. As Pastor Hector prayed just a moment ago, there's only one way for us to be the men of God and the women of God. And that's to allow the work of the cross to influence us from the inside out. That word pitch, I mean, you see that. He says, cover this ark, cover it inside and out with pitch. It's this tar kind of substance. It's sort of, it's sort of like asphalt kind of substance that, 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 that it's referred to. He's like, look, coat the outside of the ark, this vessel of salvation, coat the outside of the ark, coat the inside of the ark. All throughout scripture, that word shows up multiple times. And every other place in scripture where this Hebrew word that we translate pitch shows up, it refers to atonement. It's a picture of Jesus shedding his blood on the cross. It's a picture of Jesus dying for our sins. That word atonement is a picture to say without Christ, we're separated from God because of our sin. Without Christ, we're at war with God because of our sin. But because of the blood of Jesus, because Jesus hung between earth and sky, because he died on the cross for our sins, where there was separation and where there was this wedge, that atonement means that now we are at one with him. So God's saying to Noah, Noah, man, cover this thing inside and out. Why? Why? because it protects us from the outside world. It protects us from the destruction that's coming, that, that the blood of Jesus protects us from the influence of the world. And then on the inside, it protects the movement of God in our lives. And so a great question to write down underneath that first point, if you're a note taker, is to ask this question, is there something I need to move out of my life? Is there some junk? Is there some clutter? Is, 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 is there some, some things that I need to move out? Is there, is there some ways that I need to make room? Some, for some of us, maybe it's you need to make peace with your past. Man, a, a past that's undealt with bleeds its way into our present. We end up living out those vicious cycles over and over and over again. So maybe we need a clean break today. Maybe we need to come to a point where we say, God, would you create space in my life? Would you help me to move past the past to allow the past to be behind me? For others of us, maybe it's we need to make peace with God. Maybe there's never been a moment that we've allowed the work of Jesus on the cross, that blood that he shed for us, that atoning work where he makes us at one with God. Maybe we need to pause and say, God, I've never done that. Maybe, maybe you've been to church, but there's never been a moment that your heart's been changed. And so if we're gonna make room for the will of God, it starts with us being shaped by the character of God. It's not about what we do, it's about who we are. It's about bringing the work of the cross into our lives and allowing it to change us from the inside out. That change that starts on the inside begins to leak its way on the outside. It begins to affect everything we do. So number one, it's shaped by the character of God. Then number two, as we think about making room for the will of God in our life, number two, we must step into our calling. 
we must step into our calling. That just like Noah, God invites us to be part of his mission. Just like Noah, God has something he wants us to do. So as he's talking to Noah, he says, Noah, build this ark, make room inside this ark, cover it as a picture of the blood and the atonement of Christ. And then he says in verse 15, listen to this phrase, this is how you're to make it. This is how you're to make it. He doesn't just say to Noah, all right, I want you to build an ark. Good luck with that. He doesn't say, hey, log on to YouTube and do a little search for our building arcs, right? He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Instead of verse 15, he tells them exactly how to make it. I mean, if you look at it, he gets very specific. He says, uh, the length of the arcs to be 300 cubits. Its breadth is to be 50 cubits. Its height is to be 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark. Finish it to a cubit above and set a door in the side. Make its lower second and third decks for behold, I will bring flood water. He's very specific. Once he shaped the character of Noah, we looked at it last week, that Noah was a righteous man, that he walked with God. Once he shaped him into the character of God, he invites Noah to step in. And here's what happens. When God tells him what to do, Noah does exactly what he says. That's part of it, to step into his calling, to say, I'm gonna listen to God speak and I'm gonna do what he says. So if you're taking notes, let me just break that down in a real practical way. What does it mean to step into our calling? What does it mean to join God in this work? It means A, we listen to what he says. We listen to what he says. And God uses a lot of ways to speak to us. He uses his word, he uses prayer. He uses small group Bible studies. He uses wise people in our lives. Sometimes he uses uh, situations that get us out of our comfort zone. God uses a lot of ways to speak to us. And so A, it means we've got to listen. God, what are you saying to me? God, what is it that you are calling me to do? Calling's not necessarily about serving a church staff. It's not being a pastor or a missionary. It's about God has something he wants you to do. And so often living outside the perimeter and so often trying to make ends meet and so often with mortgages and traffic on 20, hello, right? So often we get caught up in the daily grind. We get caught up in the mundane that if we're not careful, our heart grows numb to the fact that God has something he's meant for us to do, something he's wired for us to do. So A, it means we gotta listen to him and then B, follow his direction. Follow his directions. I gotta be honest with you. I'm not good at following directions. I get something new that I gotta put together at the house. I'm like, I got this. I figured this out. Oh, wow, I've got four bolts left over. Awesome, right? You know what I'm talking about? Man, to say, I'm, I'm gonna listen to his voice and then I'm gonna follow his directions then see, I'm gonna see it through. Man, for us to find our calling means, man, that we spend time in the Bible, we spend time in prayer, we spend time in small group, we'd spend time in solitude, we'd spend time in worship, that we'd say, God, help me to hear. And as we hear, we would see it through that we wouldn't stop halfway. That's about creating room. See, it's not enough just to know what he wants us to do, it's to create room for him to do it inside of us that for us not to get numb to the fact that God has something you're meant to do, that maybe that thing that frustrates you, maybe that tragedy that's happened in your life, maybe that thing that breaks your heart and when you see it, you're like, something's gotta change. Could it be that God's using that disruption in your life 
Could it be that God's using that tragedy in your life? Could it be that God's using that broken-hearted thing that's in your life to say, this is what you're meant to do. You're meant to step into it. You're meant to do something about it. See, that's how God begins to make move. Not, not room, not, not just sitting back, not just watching, but say, number one, I want to be shaped by the character of God. Number two, I'm going to step into what he tells me to do. And then number three, for him to make room, we must stay in covenant. We must stay, a covenant is a binding agreement. A covenant is something that's not just one way one day and another way the other day. It's a binding agreement. And, and oftentimes in scripture, you see covenants. Sometimes a covenant is between two equals, but in Genesis 6, we see God making a covenant with man. We see God stepping into this fractured story. We see God stepping into this pain. And listen to what he says in verse 18, but I will establish my covenant with you. He's saying, no, I'm gonna gonna create space on this earth. I'm gonna purge what's outside of the boat, but Noah, I'm making a covenant with you. That covenant for Noah is a covenant of protection. Again, that picture of the pitch, you're, you're covered by the blood. Uh, it, it, it's a, a picture of protection. It's a covenant to say, I'm going to provide for you, Noah. No, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need on the ark. It's going to be provision for you. And then, see, it, it means I'm going to repopulate the earth, Noah. See, for Noah, he recognized that blessing is found in covenant. To say that we're going to live lives in covenant means that even when life isn't glamorous, even when our day-to-day doesn't seem all that huge, that we'd say, God, I'm gonna live this day like you're in charge. God, I'm gonna do this thing today like you're in charge. God, I'm gonna live out of the work you've done on the cross in my heart. I'm gonna be a person that stays in covenant because it's in covenant that we see the provision of God. It's in covenant that we hear the voice of God. It's in covenant that we begin to live out the life that he's meant for us to live. And finally, number four, if we're gonna make room for the will of God in our life, we must start with our consequence. We must start with where we are. We've gotta start with the circumstances God has placed us in. I love this. If you look at verse 22, God spells it out. He's like, here's how you're to build it. Here's all the animals you're supposed to bring onto the ark. And so the great question is, well, what do I do? What do I do? What's God's plan? And listen to what it says in verse 22. And Noah did this. Listen to this next phrase. He did all that God commanded him. I love that. You're like, what do I do? (laughs) What do I do? Start where you're at. Start with what you have. Start with what God's placed in your life and do the very next thing he's asked you to do. See, a lot of times we want the will of God to be something monumental. Sometimes we want the will of God to be something that's out there. Sometimes we want to know, God, what's your five-month plan, your five-year plan, your 50-year plan? And sometimes I believe God's looking down and saying, I want you just to take the next step. I mean, for Noah, when you read this, it says in verse 22, he did all that God commanded. You read verse uh, five of chapter seven, he did all that the Lord commanded. You read verse nine of chapter seven, he did as God commanded. What you see over and over and over again is that Noah lives a responsive life. That when he hears God speak, he does exactly what God wants him to do. 
See, sometimes we buy into this lie that the instructions of God limit us. It's almost like we believe, man, I could do something great with my life, but if I say yes to God, then maybe somehow I'm settling. And that's just not true. When Noah hears the instructions of God, he doesn't hear restrictions. He doesn't hear limitations. He hears these are the principles of life. So what do we do? What do we do? We start with our current circumstances. We say, I'm gonna start where I'm at. I'm gonna take what I have and I'm gonna do the very next thing God's asked me to do. If you're taking notes, write this question down underneath that fourth point. What's the next thing God's asking me to do? So often when we think about the will of God, we want it to be huge. We want it to be some historical kind of thing. We want it to be monumental, but I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be huge to be the will of God. It may not be monumental, but I guarantee you when you say yes, it will be meaningful because every time you take that next step, it creates more space. And every time you say yes, it creates more room. Every time you say yes to, I'm gonna be the man of God that God's called me to be, it creates more room. When you say, I'm gonna be the parent that God's called me to be, it creates more room. I'm gonna be a grandparent as God wants me to be, it creates more room. That as we take steps of obedience, it begins to open up the space where God can do something in us and something through us. Today, you don't have to settle. Today, it is possible to stay faithful in a faithless world, if we'll say yes. Would you bow with me for prayer? Would you close your eyes for a moment? This morning as we pray, man, what is so amazing is that God invites us into the story of redemption. God invites us into saying yes to him. God invites us into this story to say, you can be the man of God, the woman of God that I've created you to be. And it starts with us creating that room. Maybe today, as we talked about making room, you're like, man, there's some clutter in my life. There's some, there's some junk that I need to get out of the way. There's some boxes I need to push out of the way. Today, would you do that? Maybe it is dealing with your past and saying, God, today, would you help me to put the past behind me? Maybe it's making peace with God. And maybe there's never been a moment that you've turned from your sins and you've turned to him. There's never been a moment where you've allowed the work that he did on the cross to be done inside your heart. If that's you, would you pray with me? Would you just say something like this in your head and your heart? Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. But I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you're alive today. And as best as I know how, I ask you to step out of heaven and into my heart and save me. And help me to live for you. If you just pray that for the very first time, here's what the Bible says in Romans 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. If you prayed that for the first time, I'd love for you to, to let us know either on the guest info card or send us an email, pray at sugarhillchurch.com. We'd love to know that. 
If you're a believer today and you'd say, there's some junk I need to move out. There's some next steps I need to take. Would you pray this part of the prayer with me? Dear Jesus, help me to listen to your voice. Help me to do what you tell me to do. Help me to see it all the way through. God, would you help every single one of us to know what the next step it is you're asking us to take. Give us the courage to do it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.